0: out of punk i'm your host damian abraham and once again i'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk may or may not still be involved with punk but had the life changed by the genre in a major way and today on the show huge guest huge guest one of wrestling's hottest free agents tommy end is on the show you may know him by the former name of alistair black you may know him before that, as Tommy End, he is an incredibly talented wrestler and an incredibly smart person, and this is a very fun conversation. I'm excited for you to hear it. More on that in one second, but first, if you would like to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turnedoutopunkpodcast at, at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, except this week, where that credit belongs to, at bad bad brains on uh, Twitter who uh, suggested this to Tommy and made that connection. So thank you very much to bad, bad brains for doing that. Thank you. Uh, If you would like to uh, support the show, the best way to support the show is just by telling all your friends about it, letting everyone know that you know about this podcast and uh, that you can spread the word that way. You can also uh, support it by subscribing to it and rating it on iTunes. And thank you very much to everyone that does do that. I really do appreciate it. Or you could head over to patreon.com slash turned out of punk. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you to people that uh, do check that out over there. I will be putting up a Tommy end video of this podcast very soon. I've got some other videos of some podcasts recently going up there. As well, so thank you for uh supporting that thing and checking it out, everyone. Appreciate it. Uh, and and speaking of support, this thing would not be possible without the kind, loving support of the fine folks at Vans who came over to for a few years ago and said, Damien, we like what you do, uh, but just don't do it out of your own pocket and we'll help you cover the costs of doing this thing. And they have helped me cover the costs of doing this thing, and it has been a uh, unbelievably huge support for this thing. So I appreciate them for believing in it, and I long. To get back to uh, doing live things at the House of Vans and interviewing people and hanging out uh, when those things reopen. Until then, though, check out uh, the Channel 66 stuff that Vans is doing with former guests of the show and some future guests of the show, too. And, and uh, yeah, so that is, uh, yeah, that is that. All right. Oh, Fucked Up, uh, the band I play in, hence why my voice is hoarse. I was at the studio before I came back here and did a podcast. Before I came on this thing to record this intro. Anyway, it's been a been a long day. But anyway, my voice is holding up. And the band I play in, Fucked Up, is heading back out on the road. Once again, uh, even we, even though I've said it a few times now, I'm still in shock every time I get to say that. We're going out first with, and now I'm really in shock when I get to say this, Faith No More for a tour. Uh, a, a short tour with them. And then also playing Riot Fest. You can find those dates at fuckedup.cc. I believe there else you just Google fucked up faith no more and it'll come up and uh, you can, I I hope to see some of you at those shows. And uh, we will also be going on tour in the winter to do a kind of 10th anniversary of David comes to life. Matador records is reissuing. David comes to life and another 12 inch of singles that came out back then. 10 years. Can you believe it? 10 years time just melts, melts away like butter in the sun. That works. And we are facing 10 years of David Comes to Life. So come out and see those shows. We've announced some dates in the East Coast, I believe, so far. And we just announced some dates over there in England. And I believe we also may be doing, may be doing Ireland as well. I'm not 100% sure on that. But anyway, check those dates, grab those tickets, and uh, hopefully I will see you there. And we will hang out. And it'll be like Turned Out a Punk, you know, but in person we can, we can talk about stuff in person and, and bring records and, and, uh, you know, local greenery and anyway, we'll get in all that close to the dates, uh, and pick up those reissues. Also our good buddy, Scotty Karate at Tank Crimes is putting out Fucked Up's Year of the Horse on vinyl. You can pick that thing up from tankcrimes.com. I think... The rest of the last press is almost sold out and, uh, you know, there might be another press down the line, but you know, grab those while you can. I'm really stoked about this thing. It's like a 90 minute long song. So bring a book, get comfortable. The liner notes, the liner notes are going to be amazing on this thing. And check that out. All right. On to today's show today on the show, it's my uh, new friend, Tommy End. Tommy is someone who I've been a huge fan of for a very long time now as a pro wrestler. First hearing about him on the, the sort of European independent scene, becoming a fan of that, then watching him enter the WWE and just like I think many fans you know, were, was frustrated by knowing how incredibly talented he was and just seeing where he was kind of positioned in the company and what they were doing with them, but he is incredibly talented and managed to make some incredible moments on that run in the WWE. And now he is back on the independence for now. He's probably going to sign with a company at some point, but we don't talk about that stuff here. Turn Down Punk. I'm not going to ask him where he's going to sign. Like, you know, I, like obviously I'm curious, but like, really who cares? We're here to talk about, you know, Jesus and the gospel fuckers and the pro wrestling punk connection and like the stuff that, that truly is the lifeblood of this podcast. And Tommy is a fantastic guest to have on the show. Once again, thank you to bat at bad, bad brain or bad, bad brains. Uh, my internet's down right now, so I can't check it uh, to, to verify that. But anyway, thank you very much for making the suggestion to Tommy. And it led to a conversation, which of course has led to this but yeah, this is this is a fun one. I think I think you're gonna enjoy this stuff. Uh, I'm not gonna ramble on anymore. Um, You can find Tommy on Twitter and Instagram at Tommy End. He does uh, black mass clothing. You can find shirts and stuff that they put out. They're, most of the stuff sells out really quickly. But so go on his social media and see when the merch drops are kind of happening, the pre-orders. And yeah, that's it. Uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy Tommy End on turned out a punk tommy thank you so much for coming on the show
1: yeah man thanks for having me dude i'm
0: stoked well as i was just kind of alluding to you off air uh i'm i i'm a massive fan of all your wrestling for years i've been a fan of you, thank you. um and so I appreciate that well and, and i've always kind of like i think you did an interview with Cole cabana years and years mm-hmm. ago and i remember hearing you on that podcast being like one day i gotta talk to this dude about punk because I guarantee there's some connection there and it was actually our mutual friend George Pettit that came back from download fest and showed me a promo that you had cut for his son and I said by God one day we'll make this happen and now finally through the power of someone uh suggesting it on Twitter it has come. yeah to
1: yeah, yeah yeah that's it's funny how that goes right I remember cutting that promo because he told me that his son was like a huge wrestling fan and he like he liked like the character that I portrayed for uh WWE and you know, when it comes to like um, when it comes to like, you know, kids and stuff like that, especially in wrestling, um, I, I, I rarely and I mean, rarely say no, because like I remember when I was that age and wrestling was like wrestling was still magical. You know, and, excuse me. I'm drinking kombucha. and just like it was just like wristling up. So I just burped right into my mind anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. And he, he, he asked me about it and uh he's like you yeah, know i'm really afraid to ask you but would you mind I'm like no fuck no no of course not no hell yeah let's let's do it man i, I and i remember i sat down and he came in running with the camera and stuff again we made it like a little like a like a, like an alza black type promo it was fun man i um uh, that whole i was actually the first time i met dallas as well uh it, it was just the Dallin festival stuff and you know how festivals are it's good vibes all around it's good people all around and it's 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 great, you know it's it's great. So everybody's in a good mood. You know we're doing wrestling. Um, you know I I, I get to, I get to watch some of the coolest bands, you know that I that I have loved since since since, since childhood. I, I get to see them perform. I get to see newer band like newer bands like Duchene Moore. I, I get to see them play as well. You know like I got to announce Code Orange, and it, it was just it was fun. It was just really really cool, man. It was it was a great experience. Absolutely. Yeah, like it feels like
0: it's really, I think, in the last five or six years that 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 thin wall that existed between pro wrestling and and punk rock specifically or aggressive music, I guess, largely speaking, sure. is finally breaking down. Like it always existed in the world of like the Limp Bizkits, but I mean, like on like a real kind of DIY punk level and, and yeah. on a wrestling kind of independent level, it feels like that connection is, is gone really strong.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd like to say that I had a hand in that because I've always represented like, you know, the alternative, like, you know, metal and stuff. Maybe not as much as punk rock, but guys like, you know, Mark Andrews, who were like big in the big in the punk and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Pete Dunne as well. Um, you know, they they, they they brought that forward more than that punk. But I'd like to think that like from a like like metal, black metal alternative, like music, uh, thrash metal, like I, I, I'd like to think that I was not responsible but in the line of people that made that happen so um, and it's like you said like alternatives alternative scenes and wrestling always gone hand in hand there's like you know a lot of the, a lot of the, the old school punk uh, punk kids you know like yourself are, are, are big into like wrestling deathmatch wrestling uh, indie wrestling you know what I mean and and that's just a cool thing that that barrier because there's something grimy and gritty about that underground scene that you and I love. Uh, that meshes so well with the world the crazy world of professional wrestling you know and it's it's cool that it connects people on 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 multiple levels like we're doing right now you know so that's that's the beauty
0: of it yeah and it goes back right like you know i I remember well obviously goes right back like robbie brookside you know being uh, on the show a number of times has just kind of talked about like always trying to champion that but like I remember as a kid you know seeing people like andy williams busting out wrestling moves in mosh pits and yeah. then he's he's done it like he's 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 that wrestler yeah and it's just uh it, it's there there's always been that weird connection between these worlds yeah. but yeah
1: and it's funny because i met andy before he was a wrestler and now he works for, for for one of the biggest companies in the world and it's just like it's cool because i met him at Sonosphere, where we uh with progress wrestling Excuse me, that kombucha is just fighting me real hard right now. Um, uh, where we were with uh, uh, Progress Wrestling, we were uh, uh, we were there, and, and like that's the first time I met him. And like you know, we got set up through a mutual friends because like one of our friends was like, "Man, you got to meet this dude. Like you, you guys would get along so well." And you know, Andy is just uh, man. I've got so much love for that guy. And uh, like the thing is, like I'm um, Andy is such a positive, bright intelligent um, good look on life guy uh, i look a lot, i look up to andy a lot as a human being and like you know now what he's doing as a performer as a wrestler you know it's inspirational that he 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 just basically said well fuck it i'm going to do it and he did it and then he gets a contract for one of the biggest companies in the world you know that's that, that's work ethic that's talent that's that's a whole bunch of things but i like the thing that a big part of that is also just him being a great human being and everybody just connects with them really well.
0: Mm-hmm. It feels like a lot of the, you know, like, uh, Amy Lita, when she was on the show kind of had the same sort of story where like, she looked at wrestling and was like, fuck, I love this. I'm going to do it. And just kind of went out there and did it. And it feels like a lot of this sort of generation of, of wrestlers were people that looked at it and kind of were like, okay, I'm going to do this and kind of figured out, you know, carving, no, not necessarily traditional paths to get there, you know, like kind of like completely different ways of, of achieving that dream.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, no story, you, you know, there's similarities, but no story is ever the same. And
0: you know, whether you, uh,
1: whether you come from the United Kingdom, like, like, like Brookside, or you, you came from the United States, you traveled all through Mexico, like Lida. So you have to make a name for yourself or like me, like coming from a, a country that doesn't have any wrestling, mm-hmm. To eventually finding myself in the land of wrestling, you know, is um, it, it it's just cool that all these people have the same type of uh, type of type of directions type of feeling, because the emotions that we shared as to like we really want to do it. That, that's that's all the same, you know. Like that's that it's that, that drivenness, that passion, that willingness to turn that thing that you love so much into a part of yourself. You know that that that, that desire is um, is
0: remarkable. Well, I got to start this off the way they all start off, even though we've been starting for a, a little bit by now. But uh, Tommy, how did you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? So, and I,
1: you and I briefly spoke about about this. I was not necessarily. I I wouldn't describe myself as someone who was in the punk. I was into thrash, black metal, hardcore. Um, and 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 a little bit of punk, but more along the lines of like the old school misfits. The more I want to say approachable punk, if that if that makes mm-hmm. any sense, you know. I mean, more, more like bands that more people were aware of in terms of like punk. Like I'm talking like even like later on, like especially when I was skateboarding, you know, Pennywise and uh, No Use for a Name, and like um, the, the 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 more the more known. Uh, uh, punk punk bands. I, I wouldn't say that I was ever a connoisseur of like punk, but then at the same time, and we also spoke about this, uh, one of the people in my life as a, like, as a teenager was Fred Belay from Jesus and the Gospel Fuckers, a which is mind-blowing, and <laughs> yes. I have some good stories about him as well. And uh, I, I don't think a lot of people know that the reason why I know him is because he's Bob Schreiber's brother. Uh, Bob Schreiber, the MMA fighter, they are related. They are brothers. What? Yeah. So MMA (laughs) legend, Bob Schreiber, his brother is Fred Belay, the singer of (laughs) Jesus and the Gospel Fuckers. That is fucking crazy. Yeah, uh, and it's legit. But um, that's that's how I knew him because obviously uh, Bob's uh, son-in-law, sorry, stepson, not son-in-law, stepson, Stefan, was my best friend growing up. And... So we, me and Stefan, we would do, uh, you know, we, we 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 would do pro wrestling. We would do, you know, we would train together and stuff like that. And then uh, I got introduced to Bob, uh, whilst also already doing martial arts. And that whole world is kind of meshed together. I and mean, then he 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 was always like, "Man, you got to meet my uncle Fred." And um, then eventually it was a night where I met Fred, who was, uh, who was a very crazy yet very intelligent human being. He was very charismatic, remarkable guy and um you know he was telling me that he used to be in a, he used to be in a in a in a punk band and uh he he you know he grabbed some of his records and it was the it was the white record with with with, with the jesus on the cross yeah. uh why well, it was jesus on a dick but you know yeah. <laughs> you know and um jesus in the gospel focus and i remember me and Stefan had the had like the biggest laughs at the lyrics i remember one uh, what was the one when you dress up like an ordinary girl, you wouldn't get laid at all. Now you dress like a punk rock chick, you get banged through the wall. Uh, those those were so in the lyrics. And oh God, what was the other one? Oh, tiny blisters, itchy dick, dirty sluts, you make me sick. <laughs> it was just yeah. all these crazy lyrics yeah. that they had. And I remember him telling me that the reason why he quit like punk, the reason why he stopped uh, being involved in it, he felt he, he couldn't relate to the political turn that punk took because you got to remind yourself, like they were active in like the late seventies, early eighties. They, they were around, you know, they were like, they, they, they were living in, in crack houses in the Netherlands and, and Bob Schreiber at the time was like an 11, 12 year old guy, a uh, little kid, um, you know, telling me all these crazy stories about his drug habits as a kid and like fret, you know, his older brother doing the exact same, but then, you know, they get into this punk rock band and they, they, they get a van And Bob at age like 13, 14 is their security, but he was like, he was, but he was beating people up. Like he was annihilating people as a 14 year old. And it's just, you know, all these, all these wild stories about their like, like, like small touring life and living all over the place. And like, you know, it's, it's, it was a, it was a very unique experience as a kid when you're like 15 16 years old and you get you know you 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 you're involved with a guy like Fred belay and Bob, Bob Schreiber um you know to hear their stories to experience how they are as human beings and you know on 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 a personal level both were always very good to me um Bob to this day is still a mentor to me like every once in a while like we'll talk Bob is always someone who's been super supportive of my pro stuff even though he was an mma fighter he always he always thought it was really cool he said like hey you know might not might might not be my, my my slice of the pie but i respect you for what you're doing and you never you never quit doing it you know you always went head on and he was uh and so to say he's always very uh he's a very well-spoken individual uh for the uh un- incredible amount of violence that, that yeah. man is heading his past and you know portrayed in the in, 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 in the ring in his respective business Bob was a great mentor a great teacher a great coach and um, you know both gentlemen like I like I felt they were very important in my life growing up um, despite the interaction with Fred being very limited he made a he made a big impact on me because mm-hmm. here you are 15 16 year old years old you know my childhood was you know difficult. But then you know he was one who was able to put things in place for me in a certain way, and like he would, you know, he he, he would check up on me every once in a while. Like yeah, you know, we 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 would talk, and every time me and Stefan went over, he always was he was, he was always a fun guy to be around. He was the guy that made me like unwind and forget about all the all the dreadness that was going on and all the you know uh, uh, difficult periods in my in my childhood. He was definitely if I look back at my childhood and like there's not like a lot of parts where I'm like wow you know this 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 is a part where where i was happy i was happy when i was with fred and i was happy when i was bob and that was always like a really positive thing for me and still like to this day when like again like when i speak to bob it's always super positive i'm happy to have someone like him uh in my corner you know
0: yeah that's awesome and it, it really i don't know like it's something that you know probably comes from the fact that these guys were people that were like living through it in a real way when they were kids seeing you living through it
1: yeah yeah, yeah. and um you couldn't tell them shit, you know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. people who've lived that life, you know, you can't tell them anything. And, 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 I, and I love that because they literally have the answers, you know yeah. I mean? You can't tell them that, that, you know, because you don't know. They know <laughs> because they, they, they lived it. They went there. They, they were there. They've done it, you know? And yeah. even for Bob to come where he is from from where he came from to build this empire with now, like, having a successful training school, you know, up until recently having Stefan Struve in the UFC. So, you know, having a lot of really successful fighters, it's um, you know, it's, it's, it's a driving force for me as well to just like, doesn't matter where you come from, what you do, you know, what odds are stacked against you, you know, you, you, you can do stuff. So it's always been a, a good motivator for me to have him from that earlier years of my teenage life, you know, have him, have him there
0: it's also really interesting when you look at it and it runs deeper than just wrestling and punk having a connection like and I'm, when i say punk i also mean hardcore and thrash like sure. anything that kind of falls on that umbrella but like yeah but, but like it's i think combat sports there's yeah. like a deep connection there too like you look at new york you look at the guys both both camps in the cro mags you look at yeah. all the new york hardcore people they all train gracie jiu-jitsu like they're just in, yeah. in japan with the burning spirits hardcore people like it feels like combat sports and and pro and hardcore punk have have sort of like this deep connection that goes back to sort of the the inception of punk it is um
1: both have violence within the boundaries of discipline Hmm. right both are practiced violent forms of violence because music can be violent punk rock was violent it was a statement it still is a statement hardcore same thing thrash same thing you know it's a statement it's a feeling it's a it's something that you carry in your heart on your heart and it's the same with, with jujitsu and with kickboxing and muay thai they're disciplines that you know teach violence but what they really teach is discipline and being able to carry that on your heart and like focus energy and that's what music does too like you know the reason why you and i talk about music is because we love music the reason why you and i can talk about martial arts. It's probably because we both love martial arts and the same goes for pro wrestling. You know, everything comes down to, uh, uh, you know, truly deeply loving the discipline, the discipline the disciplinary love that it's given you. Um, and I think what it teaches you as a person and what it brings you in your life and all, all those factors, all those things, music, uh, alternative music, hardcore punk rock, all of that, you know, they, 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 they etch on each other. They carry each other.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I I also uh, find the history of Dutch punk, specifically punk in Amsterdam, so fascinating. I find the history of youth culture in Amsterdam so fascinating. Like I've been lucky enough to spend time and go to some museums there on yeah. tour, and just like you know the squatting history, like the the history yeah. of street violence that was going yeah. on there, and just how <laughs> like you have a punk scene that gives us X, arguably one of the most intellectual punk bands. come out of this thing and also gives us bands like jesus and the gospel fuckers like these like super real bgk like all this like sort of like real street punk too at the same time yeah yeah. um
1: i always forget the squatting the legendary squatting uh building in amsterdam and i spent a little bit of time there and they it's it's been gone for a while now but that was one of the frank frank reich that was one of the big uh, squatter. Um, yeah, is it still that I don't think it's I don't think it's that anymore. Oh, it actually is. Oh, it is. Oh. Okay, it's legalized now. It's legalized now. So back when I was there, it wasn't legalized. Yeah, it got squatted in 1982 I actually went there and I watched some 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 punk punk bands play as a kid when I was like 15 16 years old. And Man, I, I have such good memories of Amsterdam. I have such good memories of Zonstadt and all the, you know, all the music scenes that we had there and like all the hardcore, the local hardcore bands, like 21 Gun Salute. Um, you know, like, I, and, I, like, and I, I felt that, I lived that. And like, you know, one of the cool things was like so many of my friends that I still have now, you know, were in all these bands. And like myself and my tag partner at the time, Michael Dante, which I'm sure you're aware of as well, um, you know, we would wrestle, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and sometimes Monday or sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And if we had to go to Germany, what we would do, we would wrestle for West African wrestling. And we knew our boys were playing in Rotterdam. We would, uh, cause it was, uh, it, you know, it was usually over So it was just over the border. So, you know, we would wrestle, come back, go straight to the gig, support the boys, so everybody back in and like back to, back to like our base of operations and everybody hang and chill. And, you know it was just it was good times you know what i mean mm-hmm. it was just great great times and you know supporting your local uh, local hardcore bands and local uh, punk bands that is such an important thing you know and i think that's also you know going back to the discussion on like why is there so much love between um you know uh, wrestling and and, and 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 punk rock it's, it's because same with same with, with, with wrestling and, and hardcore, uh, there's local, local shows, local indies, and I think that's, you know, you talk about DIY, a lot of these indies are DIY, you know, there's a lot of kids, like, great athletic talents right now, right the second, and they're grinding away, and they're trying to make a name for themselves, and they're working hard, man, they're working hard to get their message out there, to get their, their art out there, to get their style out there, and... For me like I I will always carry like a lot of love for the indies with me because it's made me who I am mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's like it's 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 solely responsible for me being able to get to a massive platform like WWE uh, and like and, and and being able to like give a a piece of my a piece of my soul to an audience that is millions you know but if I if I wouldn't have not embraced that DIY indie independent scene and all the hardworking people on it, I would have never gotten there and I would have never had so much love for the business that I have now. And funny enough, I was speaking to uh, Finn McKenty from the Punk Rock NBA about a couple of days like a week ago. And we were talking about like how sometimes you just have to absolutely hate what you love. You have to absolutely be disgusted by it. And at that point, there's two things. Two, people are going to make two decisions. Number one, you're going to leave it alone and it's, going to, and it's going to pass you. and You're going to regret it. Number two is to endure it. You go through that gritty, bitter pill of hate that you have for the one thing that once brought you all the love in the world. And you find yourself having a new level of appreciation for the things that you once loved. And I am certain that for a lot of musicians, and not even maybe not even musicians because in his case it was because you know he got sick of youtube sometimes and that's you know that happens to all of us all of us your passions at one point they have to turn against you because you have to realize what they are worth for you and i feel that a lot of people um you know the 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 the, the ones that the ones that push through are the ones that are going to make it so whoever, whoever needs to hear that part, whoever feels like, you know, they're in a, in a situation where they feel that they are, they, they are completely disappointed and disconnected from the thing they that brought them all the love in the world. At one point, I am telling you, go through it, go through it. And within, the, within no time, you will have a new love and appreciation if you let it, you know, for the thing that, you know, you once loved so much, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of that.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely, I feel, and like, I think, you know for a long time especially with aggressive music punk you know um and wrestling you've got to do it because you love it because it's not like these opportunities to make it on this huge level are always going to be there like you have to do it because you love it and then if opportunities happen to present themselves then so be it but it's it's not always like that's gonna be the case i was gonna say it's also funny when um i think back to that era in wrestling when you know like you you kind of explode onto the scene everyone kind of exploded on the international scene it felt like that was this moment very similar to like 1991 in music with Nirvana and then ultimately Green Day and and all these bands that exploded where all these independent artists and and wrestlers and athletes suddenly had the means of star production in their own hands through social media through merchandising and they could kind of you know, create them themselves, you know, and make themselves into stars in a way that previously you would have had to rely on a company like you kind of look back on that era as being like a changing moment in wrestling like 2016, 2017, 15 even.
1: Yeah, I do, you know, specifically because I didn't necessarily get that part that much because, you know, I started in 2000, had my first match in, in 2002. And I uh, at the time like the internet sure the internet was around but like social media was not social media as it is now you mm-hmm. know like sure we had myspace and eventually we had Facebook specifically with the coming of like Facebook is where you, you you could see changes you know people were posting videos on the wall promoters reaching out to you because promoters were now having uh, they had now they had Facebook profiles for their for their companies and like Facebook became a bigger thing and then You know, Instagram came in and, you know, it's expanded and expanded. And, you know, this truly is an age of individualism and DIY. 100%. Like, if anything, like, look look at these, look at these, like, 16, 17-year-old little, you know, SoundCloud guys, you know? Mm -hmm. They are able to create their own music, their own art, their own fame, their own level of success with just what they have in their head. And, and and a computer uh microphone just so, some something like this you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. and they can create followings and the thing is like there is a massive craving for it because if one a lot of these kids wouldn't be as successful as they are and i absolutely love it i absolutely absolutely love it because now you get to see who truly has that passionate you know passion for what it is they want to do and that that that, that unique skill and like that weird um that weird talent that a lot of people don't know about and it's an acquired taste just as in back in the day like you know punk was an acquired taste and it was a statement you know these kids are making statements and I I feel in a a weird way it's all like it shares lines because like now you know you have this entire movement that basically is saying like you know Screw this system. I'm going to do it my way. Just like back in the eighties, screw this system. I'm going to do it my way. And this is who we are. And like, I don't have to follow the scripts. I'll write the, I'll write my script. And I think, I think that's a beautiful thing because I've always embraced it with myself. Um, you know, making conscious decisions to like, basically go, you know, I'm 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 gonna do it this way. And if I don't do it this way, then I'm not gonna do it at all because I believe in dying on my own sword and I believe in 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 falling on my own mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna blame anyone else. I'm not gonna like, you know, if I if I am going to blame anyone else, it would only be because I know for a fact that I tried and did every single thing possible to set myself up for success. You know what I mean? And then still, I'll be critical of myself. And I think that's a lot with a lot of these kids too. And that creates like a very different environment and a very different mindset. Um, you know, kids didn't grow up the way that you grew up when you were a kid, especially nowadays. And the same, even the same for me, I'm 36. And, you know, I look at these kids and sometimes I'm like, wow, we're only 20 years apart, but there's already such a massive gap between us and you know, you you you're already so far ahead, like mentally, than where I was 17 because of what 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 is available, right? I think that, and maybe I'm drifting a little bit too far off from what we're talking about, but I guess there's we're no a conversation. Right? You
0: can't drift off on this show. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> and like, there's like like on the one hand, I don't like social media because it creates a lot of like, disingenuous uh, uh, people. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of misinformation that people latch onto. There's a lot of like problems in terms of people being afraid of being wrong because Mm -hmm. they have what they think all the information available. But in reality, they don't. They have a fraction of the information available. But on the other side, there's a lot of people that like embrace the knowledge that they can find. and And they use it to learn and they use it to create and they use it to make something out of themselves. And, you know, especially that second part is, you know, is, is the one that I applaud. And that, you know, that those are the people that you're talking about. Those are the, you know, those are those kids and those are the, you know, the early nineties, like explosion of like, uh, um, of, of, of people. And sure. Like, you know, answer question I had, I had part of it, but I was also around when it wasn't there. So yeah. I saw the transition. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And it feels like, it feels like it must've been a huge shift to suddenly like, you know, be making your own merch and controlling your own merch and 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 just sort of like seeing that side of the game change where you could suddenly become, you didn't necessarily rely on promoters in the same way that you would have in a different time. I imagine a few years earlier.
1: Look at a guy like Dan Housen. Mm-hmm. He's the perfect example. Here's a dude who tried something and it caught fire. Yeah. You know, and that's great. I love that. You know, never met the guy. I th- I think I knew him before he was Danhausen. At least I think he was a Russell. before. I, I, like I, I just think he tried this, and like it kind of became a thing for him <laughs> to the point where Dwayne DeRock Johnson is retweeting. <laughs> I was just talking about this today with my friends that were over. You yeah. know what I mean? And like I love it. I, like you know, I love it because why not? Yeah. Why not? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you know, like when it comes to that, when it comes to something like that, like, you know, creating yourself, but there's also the flip side of me as, as, as a wrestler, right. And I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta find a way to work this without coming across as like a bitter old veteran. <laughs> Cause I don't want to, <laughs> but I feel that there is also an incredible massive saturation of wrestling and wrestlers. That I feel that some of the people who are training people or are around, you know, it kind of gets watered down a little bit. You know, back in the day, there were, for me, there wasn't a thing as a wrestling school. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Robbie will tell you this too, because I trained with Robbie. You know, we had to travel to Germany, pay X amount of money, and then we got in the ring with Robbie for two hours and he, he would beat the shit out of us. <laughs> you know what I was <laughs> Yeah, you know, and like that yeah. and, and, but we would repeat that every single week. You know, we would travel all over Europe to get training. We would do training camps because there wasn't like a I'm I'm, I'm here in Florida. In the span of half an hour drive, I can find four wrestling schools. Mm-hmm. That is a good thing, but also a bad thing because hmm. you know, depending on which school you go to, you're either going to get really good training from people, you know, who've been you know, I've been at the top, like, you know, like uh Devon Dudley school, you know, great school, like amazing credentials, you know. But then there's also the local whoever that bought a ring and um worked five matches and now is training people, you know what I mean? And that's that goes, excuse me, that goes, you know, that waters down the amount of talent that, you know, and the amount of knowledge that get gets passed on because there is a substantial amount of knowledge in terms of professional wrestling that, you know, I can tell from when I sometimes look at people wrestling. And it's not a bad thing because everybody everybody has to learn. And that's okay, you know. But you're also having to be willing to learn. Like I just said, a lot of people are afraid of being wrong. So, you know, a lot of people now in, in the business, like, I feel like are very um, – a little prickly on 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 giving feedback or taking criticism, and I I was like I've been a big proponent of of always uh, asking for criticism. Doesn't matter who in the business I I was able to talk to, I, I did it. Like you know I would even 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 back even in a WB, like you know despite being in, in wrestling so long, I, I the the one thing that I've always learned and the one thing that I've always been um, been convinced of is that you're never done learning. The day you th- you you tell yourself Ah, I don't need, I need more training. I need this is the day that you stop progressing as a, as a professional, any true professional knows that you always have to search for more and have to have more knowledge available and more eyes on what it is that you're doing. And sure, you know, you have to be specific on who you're asking, uh, asking their opinion, but you're going to have to progress regardless. And I think that's something that I, sometimes when I look at wrestling here and there, local, Um, or, 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 or my direct surroundings I see. And I wish that like this generation would just come up to me and say, Hey, Tom, would you mind, you know, can you, can you look, can you, can you, can you ask, can you, can you take a look what I did wrong? Or like, Hey, that didn't feel any good. What do you think? Or, cause you know, I, I still keep doing it, you know, like for the longest time and you know, um, I would walk up to Roman and say like, did you watch it? You know, like I would pick his brain, like, he's only the biggest name in wrestling. You know what I mean? He's the guy that carries the business like, like at the moment. And, but also like back then, like I would ask, uh, uh, cash and, and, you know, and Dax, uh, like I, I, I hold, hold those boys in high regard. And even though we wrestled on the same shows together and we wrestled each other and, you know, that doesn't mean that I can't, you know, that I, that, that I can't, I, I can't stop. Learning. And he does the same to me. He will ask me like, Hey, what you, what you think? You know what I mean? Because the perspective of anyone on a certain level is valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with music, right? You're going to have to like, you're going to have to expand on your knowledge. Cause there's, there's, there's something to learn every single day. And I, 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 the message here is that like, take advantage of that knowledge that is available take advantage of the people that are willing to spend time with you and like teach you and like show you the way and you know
0: make you a better professional it's it's interesting to watch wrestling kind of shift though like you're saying you're describing from this thing that it it has been like this tradition that goes back centuries at this point um that's been passed down where you had to kind of like it was like the knowledge you had to get the knowledge you had to be given the knowledge and it was hard to get the knowledge to where it's now shifting to almost where it's like much more like in music you have almost like this artist mentality where it's like i don't need your criticism i'm doing my own right. thing if you don't get it yeah forget you like it's it's weird to like you know and obviously I'm, I'm a huge fan of like and i and i very much understand because of the physical risk involved why you need that discipline but it's very interesting to kind of watch as this sort of shift is happening very much in the same way it happens with music now or like you know you talk to people in hip-hop that you know are rap music that don't understand like or not, no, not even necessarily. Don't understand. I shouldn't put it that way. Sorry, but don't like where it's shifting. Where it's not necessarily about the skills, as it once is, was. It's now more about just personality for the sake of personality.
1: Right. Yeah. Because you know, in the same vein of what we were just talking about, you know, a lot of like a lot of the, the 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 basics, as we call them, you know, they get lost. You know, like one of one of one of my friends is Vinnie Pass from Jedi Mind Tricks. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. to me, like. You know him and me, like kind of spar every once in a while. Like you know, we'll have a conversation, mentally sparring, not physically sparring. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, you know, he's got to be hard to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's a badass. Um, but you know, and like I've spoken to him where, like, you know, when it comes down to like you know his 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 roots and where he started versus like where kids can start now, and there is something to say about quality, but the real ones will always float at the top. You know, yeah. like everybody knows how to pick up the real ones and the real ones will always be respected. It just comes down to the grind. It comes down to the the, the, the work put in. And, and to your point, but it might not always be, that might not always be enough because sometimes it just doesn't work out that way, you know? Mm-hmm. And as long as you feel, you know, to yourself, like I said, that you at least did everything that you could to put yourself up for success. Just, just don't be in a position ever where you look back when you're 60 years old and you go you know what Fuck, I should have listened or I should have done this I should have like invested in that you know what I should have like I don't know tried more freestyle I should have like you know and um I think it, that I think that's a big thing when I um when I hear a lot of like the old hip-hop hats like like talk you know like there, there's a lot of like production and it's a lot of like creation that is like out of the hands of the crew of, of 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 the person involved out of the hands of the talent and more in the in the hands of like no this is what we want you to do versus this is what i should be doing and that's that's also the way of the world like everything progresses so i'm always on the spectrum of um uh, you know, the old and the new, like uh, Terry Taylor always told me you are the perfect blend between the old school and the new school, because you obviously have a style that caters more towards where modern wrestling is, but your mindset for a big party is more towards, you know, the the, the, the old school way of wrestling in terms of like making it legitimate, like working your holds and stuff like that. And like, just like little detailing things that, you know, he, he, he used to teach me. Um, So I always kind of, I feel like I can, I can always kind of keep one foot in the past while looking at the future. And so for me, it translates different. And that's why, like, when I look at certain, certain individuals that are wrestling, I'm like, Oh, if you would just, if you would just change that, you know, it make, it would make a world of difference. Or if you would just implement moving this way, it would make all the difference for your, for, for your, for your style. You know what I mean? And I, but I think that's the way of the world now. Um, with everything being so exposed and everything being so open, and with everything being around so much, um, and there's good things and bad things about it, and and there will always be good things and bad things about it. But you know, I'm not the um, I'm not the one that decide whether it's good or bad. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 just a part of the chain that will forever keep you know keep 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 rolling. And I'm glad to be a part of that chain, and uh, I'm glad to be an important part of, of that chain as of now. You know. Um but when my time comes, when it's over for me, you know, I would say that anyone's life expectancy in the in the in the wrestling business is about two weeks. You know, after about two weeks, people have forgotten about you. And that's fine because there's new talent coming up. This is an everlasting, ever changing business that picks people up and eventually puts people at a station. And it's all about what you've done prior, uh, that will, you know, will will, will, will predict what station you're stopping and is that a station of regret or is that a station of fulfillment and i would say always work as hard as you can to be in a position of fulfillment and always have a critical eye on yourself and you know don't be afraid to just like you know get criticism and ask for criticism because believe me you're gonna as a professional you're going to feel more fulfilled you're going to feel more like you're like you're working to your goals that you're closing the gaps in your game and that can be for hip hop, that can be for wrestling, that can be for any type of discipline you have in your world. That's how I did it. That's how I got where I where I was. And I know for me personally, if it will all if it would all end tomorrow, I wouldn't have any regrets. Mm-hmm. I would not have any any regrets. Are there things that I would have perhaps now with hindsight done different? Yeah, but it doesn't mean that I regret them. I'm glad that I'm, I'm glad that it happened that way because now I know, when it happened again, I knew what to do, you know, like failing is not bad. You know, it's, it's about what you do with your failure that again, what station you're going to be dropped off.
0: You know? I think it's also because now we have to fail so publicly, you know, like it was at one point you can have a private failure, but now it's like, and and on any level, like you fail, your friends are going to know about it on Facebook, even if you're not in the public eye at
1: all. Yeah. It's scary. And uh, it's, 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 it's frightening. You know what Mm I mean? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, are these people like, is, 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 are you really worried about people that only are like exacerbating your failure because it makes them feel better about themselves? And there's a lot of that because that's, that's what it really comes down. What's that?
0: I was going to say, there's a lot of that on the internet. I think a lot of people need that up from tearing people down.
1: Yeah. And, but in the long run, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it doesn't change anything about you. Mm -hmm. If you're not let it, it it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't do anything to you in terms of like, like it's, it's not going to, it's not going to make your value less as a person, as a human being, because failure is such a massive part of life. But the fact that people who exploit your failure, you know, don't like, it's weird to think that people don't accept the fact that failure is a part of life. Yeah, You know, what I mean, it, it, it's, it's weird it, it, that that to me is a very strange, a strange, like, like, like thing to project mm-hmm. because you're going to fail no matter what, no matter what you do. You're not going to pick up a sword and be the perfect sword fighter. <laughs> you're not going to put gloves on and be the perfect boxer. You know, that just doesn't exist. You're not going to be a wrestler and be the perfect wrestler. That just doesn't exist. That's that's what failing's for. hmm. You know, if you're going to publicly humiliate yourself, yeah, it's going to suck. But that's what failings for, because now you know what not to do and what not to do is often the best teacher. But we're so afraid of it nowadays, which I which I think is a shame.
0: Yeah, Uh, I guess going back to like, you know, the very beginning of your journey, like where were you kind of getting into aggressive music from? Like, where were you hearing about this stuff? Because it isn't mainstream music.
1: No, so um, my brother had a mixtape like my brother had a friend that was very much into Iron Maiden and uh, he was into Iron Maiden and uh, Metallica and stuff. And he had a, had a, had a little tape. So I would sneak into my brother's room and I would put the, put the, put the tape on because they would bring out, bring home on birthdays. I was like seven, eight years old. And excuse me, they would um bring out the, the, the album art for like, you know, Iron Maiden's killers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, you see, you see, you, you know, you see, uh, you see Eddie with the knife standing and it's like, you know the woman in the back and it's like I think it was the hammer it might have been the hammer I'm not not completely convinced, but not completely sure anymore but um you know that's really brutal album art and then I wanted I wanted to listen to the music because I was like well if this is like yeah I I, I got drawn to it and that's kind of like you know how Iron Maiden started for me and then like you know my 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 parents were always more into like guitar music you know like um uh a Fleetwood Mac was like frequently played Dire Straits like it was a big Mark Knopfler fan like growing up I I, I thought his guitar was phenomenal Eric Clapton and uh Steels Crosby and Nash and you know it, it was it was it was predominantly more guitar rhythmic music golden earring you know you y- you name it and I love him and um and then by the time I was like 11 or 12 years old I um we had this um <clears throat> We had this uh, this, this television um, channel called The Box. And they kept playing uh, Replica by Fear Factory. And I got so hooked on that song that I bought the album. I bought d manufacture And that was the first album I ever bought as a kid when I was like 11, 12 years old. That was the first album I ever, ever bought. It was about like, like 96, 97 and that was my start into my own personal. I still have the CD, like my own personal collection. I think then the second one that I bought was Biohazards on Civilization. And then it was, no, New World Disorder. It was New World Disorder. I bought damn and Black by Immortal. And I bought, oh, what's the third one? I hate that. I can't remember. No, no. What was the third one? Actually, the third one was Afura, Buddy of the Mind Force. Okay. I used to love Afura. I thought he was great. Um, so basically, I had the more industrial metal with Fair Factory. I had the, you know the, the 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 bleak black metal sound with immortal, then I had the more hardcore, urban hardcore punk with uh, with Biohazard. And then like getting my underground hip-hop vibe going on with with Afura and then later with Gangstar and Guru and you know, dance like the Far Eye, um, cannibal ox, you know, you you name it, and that's kind of how I got introduced to all the music and I was skateboarding at the same time, but then Jesus and the gospel fucker came and it just kept progressing. And then like I got like I, I got into like Demo Borgir and Cannibal Corpse and you know, it just entombed um uh, overkill and it just kind of kept on growing and growing and growing and you know all these influences and that's kind of how it started and it just never let me go I was a big fan of anything that was alternative for me it didn't matter if it was obituary or Linkin Park you know and the Mm -hmm. thing is like I feel like a lot of times people have a hard time admitting that they 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 liked something as Linkin Park because it makes them feel compromised about the legitimacy of the music that they liked but man for me I remember hearing Korn's, uh, Korn's first album and I thought to myself, it was like 97, 98. And I remember going like, man, this is, I've never heard this before, you know? Mm-hmm. And same with like early installments of Manson and, you know, can't really mention his name anymore, but you know, like early installments of Manson was something that is, you know, make it, that made an impact on me. And then 80s, like end of the 80s krill of filth, early 90s krill of filth, where they were like like they were like a a, a strange form of like thrash leaping into like gothic death metal like to become what the, I, I liked theatrical bands. And that's like now, like you know, for instance, for like seeing a band like like Behemoth growing the way they did from that bleak black metal sound to this like massive presence on stage and these super like fascinating um, atmospheric music videos and songs that they're making same with like shining um, and, 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 you know, those types of bands. it's, it's, it's just amazing for me to watch that. And, um, you know, it influences me even, even to this day, clearly the Alice in black character was influenced by music. Clearly anything I've ever done with Tommy and was influenced by, by music, you know, early installments of, of Alice of Tommy and were like, based on like, you know, hardcore bands. And, you know, I carried that flag. That's why I came up with trapped on Rice and yeah. uh, a, a cruel hand and stuff like that, you know, and that's like it, go, like, it has to go hand in hand for me with my characters in terms of the music I listen. It has to, because there has to be a form of legitimacy in my characters. There has to be something of me in there. And and more than just a thing, a lot of it is me. A lot of it is like, like it's, 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 exp- it's expressionism to me. It's, it's my way of, 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 conducting that creativity creative flow uh to the to the masses
0: Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing how it just it how much music can play a role like you're saying like trapped under ice and like all that kind of stuff with 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 you it just it does define who the character is but it also allows you to kind of put yourself out there as who you are kind of behind the character as well yep yep were you in a funeral oration or nra at all Nope. Just any of that sort of weird Dutch punk stuff that was happening at that time too, skate punk? No,
1: so I was never really like uh, I was into Perestroiska, which I don't know if you ever ever heard of them. No, um, there were a local band. There were a lot of local bands. Um, I'm trying to think. He's like man, like you're, you're making me dig.
0: <laughs> That's right what now. this is. Mental x laxes show. Um,
1: yeah, Perestroika. I already mentioned Twenty One Gun Salute. Um, man, I have to I have to dig through all this stuff. There was at one point there was also a massive wave of a lot of kids from Brazil that were like in metal bands that lived in the Netherlands. Agrión was one, and a lot of them had like ties to like Sepultura and Soulfly. Oh, amazing. Um, and they lived. They lived in Melons, and you know they started their their bands. Cancelled was a big one that I was a big fan of. <sighs> and you're making me dig
0: real, <laughs> real fucking hard right now. Where did you hear about Trapped Under Ice yeah. and, and Cruel Hand and those bands? Just the scene. Just from going to you shows. You know, you're in the
1: scene, and I yeah. I remember that like, especially Trapped Under Ice. They blew up. In the yeah. span of like when they dropped, uh, believe everybody was like, "Who's that?" Because that riff was one of the hardest riffs at the time. That song made everybody one violent motherfucker. When that when that song came up, everybody wanted to fight. And you know that's the um, that's the cool thing about about like hardcore. And you know they came and they did their thing and they kind of went again. I don't know, I don't know what they're doing now. I know like I mean obviously they have um,
0: Angel Dust and Turnstile. The two Tur- a lot of
1: them are in turnstile yeah um i don't think they're doing much anymore i don't think
0: i don't think Trap and rice
1: no i think they do reunions that. once
0: in a while they'll do big festivals but like for the most part i think yeah. it's angel dust and, and turnstile are kind of like the focus yeah. For them yeah that's yeah
1: that's what the focus is yeah um cruel hand you know kind of the same um i love cruel hand i think that they're you know their early work to now you know, a band that changed but still has the same vein of like love and passion. You know, like once you once you get into that scene, you know, you learn so many like new bands, especially when you're like in the Netherlands, like obviously our exposure to the US scene isn't as big. Um But you know what like the you know the 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 big ones that make wave like expire and stuff like that obviously you know they they run over uh, backtrack and stuff and yeah um you know it's 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 just like being in the scene and a lot of people you know there's always like there's always people like you, right? That have like that, that that have their ear on the ground all the time but they have all the records. And that are like constant noise of like that genre of music that every once in a while will like feed you something. One of my best friends, Pablo, is one of those people. Um, always has new records. Always keeps his ear on the ground. Always like will slide me like us. Like will slide me a band saying, "Hey man, you might like this." And ninety percent of the time, he's right, <laughs> and I do love what he says because you know he knows me and knows what I like, and you know. Music is such an ever changing landscape and it's such a massive landscape because there is so incredibly much of it. And I'm so happy that there was so much of it. I learn new bands each and every single day. When people, one of the worst questions that someone can ask me is, What is your favorite band? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I can give you about 100 bands that I love. Are they all my exact favorites? Yes and no. You know, it yeah. changes every day. Like, I'll get into. Um, I'll get into Cruel Hand for a while and then I'll get into Shining for a while. Um, one of the bands like right now that I, for some bizarre reason started listening to again is Ghost BC or Ghost. Like, yeah. And I was listening. I was like, it's so catchy. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's, 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 fun. And next week it will probably go back to like, like a uh, gate creeper or something like that. You know what I mean? It just like, it, it, it's an ever changing landscape for me. Depends on, what my mood is where i am in my week where i am in my training and where i am as 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 a human being as a and and a person to what i at that moment really 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 like and really
0: want to listen to it's funny you said that like you know there's a lot of the american stuff doesn't really make it over to to holland as much because in my experience going over there playing in a band and and also just like traveling there it's amazing how deep the love of sort of like rock and roll for lack of a better umbrella term is like just how pervasive and how deep people go like going to independent outlet for the first time i was blown away by the records i found there like i I just couldn't believe some of these bands and like independent outlet great store i went there last time we played amsterdam i went in there and they had buried all the records behind t-shirts and bookshelves and i physically moved the stuff to get the records out from behind the wall
1: (laughs) Did you ever go to Buddisk? No, what was Disc? So Disc was the biggest um, international import of CDs, records, DVDs. Um it's actually where I back in the day uh, bought a lot of like my first like animes as a like a 15, 16, 17 year old but I got into like, you know, Vampire Hunter D, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ninja Scroll, uh, Wicked City, uh, Blood the Last Vampire. Um, you know, like a, a little bit more of the, the 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 other types of like animes. and they had all these like really cool um international dVDs. specifically one of the horror movies from Japan, you know, they were like they were obviously a big hit. but they would sell like a little bit more of the upsecure like like black metal and hardcore and like 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 punk stuff um, other than like independent outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah that, that that store unfortunately has been dead for I think 10, maybe twelve years now they closed it. Which was a shame because it was a staple mark for like, you know, people that were into like different types of music and different types of movies. Um, but like you know, I'm I'm glad to hear the independent outlet is still going strong. So <laughs> Yeah,
0: no, definitely. It it seems like music has taken much more of a backseat to close. But if you dig behind those t-shirts, there are still records to be found. I, I bought a first copy of the first Evo seven inch, a first press, which is crazy. <laughs> I <couldn't> that <laughs> That's thing. a gem right there. I know. I was like shocked that I, I had found that thing there, but it it is a uh it is a favorite stop for me every time I get a chance to go over there. Uh Tommy, oh, I've have, I've have kept you for a very long time and I could punish you <laughs> forever. Would you come back at some point down the line for a part two? Yeah, man, absolutely. I enjoy
1: I, I enjoyed this conversation very much. I am going to leave you with a story that I promised to tell you. You're telling me a Jun Kasai story. So uh, back in my first tour with uh, Big Japan, um, there was a wrestler named uh, Yoshihitsu Sasaki. You yes. probably know who that is. Yes. One of the most phenomenal talents that Japan's ever had. And he's a bus driver nowadays. He actually was in a... Um, he was in a, in a, in a, in a, in a reality show for a while. So, but before that, obviously he was the awesome wrestler named Yoshida Suzuki, right? Yeah. And, um, every night after the show, him and Jun Kasai would get into it with each other. Like it started with like pushing and kind of <laughs> cursing at each other and yelling at each other, but every day it progressed. It got worse and worse to the point where I remember telling my tag partner, Don, I was like, I think they're going to fight each other at some point. And he's like, yeah, dude, this doesn't look good at all. <laughs> And then it came the blows in the bus and they literally fucking dove on each other and started fucking decking each other in the face. And I'm telling you, they were not holding back. So in my panic, I go, guys, stop fighting. So I grabbed Yoshido and I pull that gigantic human being because he's a big boy. I pull him off and, uh, Abdullah Kobayashi pulls, uh, uh June off before. And they, and I, I'm kind of like, what what do i do right and then they look at me and they look at each other and they kiss each other full in the mouth and they looked at me and they ripped me for four days straight and they picked fight with each other deliberately so that i would see it (laughs) in the hopes that when it came to blow i would pull them off each other and kind of like you know it was a big rip yeah so they they were with me for four days straight and they noticed that i was like kind of getting concerned with like them progress but they played it so goddamn well. But that's apparently what they did with the new Gaijin. That's that's what was one of their ribs.
0: <laughs> that is so awesome. Yep, I, I think he is. Think uh, he's he is. He is the craziest monkey of them all. Yep. Good human being
1: though. Um, tons of respect for 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 Jun Kasai. Tons of respect for Yoshida Sasaki. My time in Big Japan is among my favorite time in uh, professional wrestling. It was. Phenomenal, just phenomenal. Um, I always say, um, to people that hate deathmatch wrestling, watch the Japanese guy, watch, watch big Japan do it? Watch guys like you know, watch guys like Jun Kasai, Jun Kasai, watch uh, you know, Jackie Numazawa, and 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 uh, uh Takeda. yeah, oh Takeda. I'll, I'll save that story for another time, but uh, I, I have a good story about him too. Yuko Miyamoto, uh, yeah. Isami Kodaka, you know, like watch guys like them. Because to me, they were masters of building suspense in the death matches. And they weren't just like throwing people through piles of glass for the sake of doing it. the The complexity of their stories was fascinating for me to watch um I watch everything from the perspective of the artist and even though it might not be my cup of tea I respect the art that is being presented to me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh yeah they 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 did some wonderful stuff um watching it and I will never take that away from them despite again deathmatch wrestling isn't for me but they created something that even and that, and the funny thing is my tag partner was even a lesser fan of, of deathmatch wrestling he didn't like it at all but even he after the shows, after our match was done, would slide up to the front and just kind of watch them go at it because it was like I remember watching in the in the, in the, in, the, in the, um, God, what's that venue called? Uh, Rings One, I think. Ring,
0: yeah, for uh, first ring, Tokyo, first ring,
1: first first ring, Tokyo, yeah, yeah. Um, watching them have this crazy scaffold match in front of maybe three hundred people, and it was <laughs> exhilarating to watch. It was just the best, man. And I guess you know. I think that's punk rock man right there i think that's what it is that's what it is that's punk rock you know that was that was that was that punk feel that was that hardcore feeling that was that close intimate feeling watching something unique something special that was there for a select group of people for a select set of eyes and it was it was wonderful to watch absolutely
0: and i really and you hit the nail on the head right there because it is like punk rock it is like black metal it is like grind it is something that the people that aren't going to get it aren't going to get it but the people that understand yep. it like can appreciate it and and see the yep. brilliance in it and stuff yeah no
1: absolutely absolutely dude it was it was crazy it was uh, it was a fun time to watch and uh yeah absolutely enjoyed my time there
0: well i have enjoyed my time here tommy and anytime you want yes, to come sir. back and talk about jesus and the gospel fuckers or anything <laughs> please know. let me
1: let me sit on it and like uh, see if i can conjure up some good stories because I, I i definitely
0: have a few <laughs> crazy Fred Thank you, Tommy, for coming on this show. And you heard right there, Tommy will be back for a part two at some point in the near future to blow our minds with, with more Jesus and the Gospel fucker stories. And and yeah, he is a really uh really awesome person, really fun guy. Check out uh his stuff on social media, even though he doesn't he isn't a huge fan of it. Check out his wrestling, like really watch what he does in the ring, and yeah, it, prepare to get uh get entertained, get stoked. All right. Speaking of getting stoked, I am very stoked for what's coming up later on this week on the show for something completely different. An incredible writer, an incredible musician, songwriter, uh in several bands, Japanese Breakfast, aka Michelle Zauner is going to be here and it is a fantastic conversation with I'll say it like a genius, you know, she is a, a, a a genius writer, not just songs, you know, which, you know, it was kind of established obviously, but also now as an author and we get into all this, we talk about grief. It's actually just a a really interesting conversation. I'm excited for you to hear it. We are, we're having a fun time over here on this podcast and an interesting time. And I'm very stoked that you are all along for this ride. Um, that's it for the show. Remember as always, black lives matter. The lives of indigenous people matter. We need to protect trans kids. We need to help trans people protect themselves. We need to stop hate and violence towards Asian people. And we just need to stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths. And, um, it's a, it's a real moment of just things that are being brought to light, which should have been brought to light a long time ago, things that people have known about that have been happening, injustices are being exposed. Things are just just happening in this world right now. It feels like a a time of great flux. I don't know. Maybe you feel this too. Uh, Get involved. Go out and uh, look at organizations. Look at people that are doing good work. Um, Volunteer time. Volunteer money to causes that you believe in. And I guess like the... The end all and be all is just fuck fascism and there's no place for Nazis. And there's this, shit, this shit's not political. There's lots of stuff we can talk about that's political. That's like, you know, like, uh, how much money goes to, to road maintenance. And like, there, those are, there, there's, there's lots of politics stuff that can be discussed. Um, you know, but these are human rights issues and obviously there's some bleed over to, you know, politics stuff. It, and financing of, of institutions as well That certainly needs to be addressed But these, these things that we're talking about There's no discussion about These are, these are just Things that we, uh, we all need to be aware of And we all need to take part And to have a, a beautiful Interconnected society You know, we're living in a society As the kids on the internet are prone to say these days So get involved And uh, help make that society a little bit better For those kids when they get off the internet and get out there in the world and you know uh go out there and do something creative for yourself uh, start a band start a fanzine put up a piece of art um you know you don't have to share it with anyone just do it for yourself create your own culture make 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 something it'll it'll help you feel better put you know um also meditation i i you know i'm running on very little sleep right now um well, you know, I'm not complaining, but I'm just telling you, I'm running on very little sleep. I uh, did a lot of shit today that, uh, you know, just t- takes, takes a lot out of you and stuff. And I, I just sat down and I meditated before I came here and I talked to you. And my head is a little bit more together than it would have been beforehand. So, you know, treat yourself, meditate, try it. Like, you know, what's the worst that happened? It doesn't work. And you're like, those hippies lied to me, but try it a few times. because It took a few times for me to get it, you know? I don't mean get it, but just for me to kind of click with it, um, uh, sign your organ donor cards, please just do it. Cause like, it's the easiest thing. Like you're, you're dead. Like you just, psh, just take those things and they give them to someone else and it, it can save someone's life and change someone's life. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. It's wild that it, it, to watch it happen. It's amazing to watch it happen. Um, what should I, what What else do I say here? Uh, stay safe. Um, you know, wear a mask still because there's still shit spreading and stuff. And I've got, I got a friend that was in a hospital, you know, shadow to shadow extreme, you know, really recently. So there, this shit's still happening. So, you know, wear, wear a mask and, and protect those around you and, and uh, stay safe and I will see you on the next episode. Shout out to Oil and Flowers with my man, Buddha Blaze. Listen to that podcast. Available on your podcast platform. It's Buddha and Blaze and I talking about local greenery. And uh, that's it. I will see you on the next episode. Bye.